have you ever had an Easter that just comes and goes? And it just, like, you know it should be more, and you know it should be, like, spiritually meaningful, but it just isn't. And maybe, maybe you go to church, you spend time with your family, maybe eat some candy, but, it, but you're just not feeling that spiritual significance of it. And then it passes, and Monday morning you're back to work, you're back to school, and it's come and gone like any other day. And then, but you know it should be bigger because your church people and your pastors always make a big deal about Easter. Well, if you've, if you've ever felt that way, wishing that Easter was a little bit more, but you just miss it, you miss the boat, I want to help you make Easter a spiritually significant time for you. See, here's what happens, though, is, is very often with Easter, we jump right to Easter. It's Sunday here, but we jump right to Easter because that's the fun part. We got our giant Easter egg hunt, and we usually eat some good food and all the candy you, could, you ever want. Unless you're parents, we deeply apologize to all of you parents because we're going to get your kids jacked up on candy. And then send them home with you. <laughs> Suckers. No. Okay. So, but that's what we do. We, we, we start here, but we jump all the way over to Easter. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it can kind of come and go because we miss the week. We jump over the week all the way to Easter and we miss. We miss the celebration. We miss the teaching. We miss the conspiracy. We miss the betrayal. We miss the arrest. We, we miss the suffering of Jesus. All of that is what builds up to Easter. So my encouragement to you today is don't jump over the week. And today, we're just going to take a really quick overview of what this week is called, or what this week is made up of. It's, it's often called Holy Week. Uh, you, you might have also heard it's sometimes called Passion Week. And if you've ever wondered, that's kind of a strange word if you think about it. If you've ever wondered why it's called Passion Week, it has nothing to do with the passion with which Jesus Christ went to the cross to die. If you Google, like, what's Passion Week, that's one of the answers you'll get. Totally wrong. <laughs> has nothing to do with that. It actually has to do with Latin. And, and I, I, I took three years of Latin in high school, and I've taken, like, four years of Greek, and so I am of no good anywhere in the world, unless I go back 2,000 years. <laughs> I'm not even good in, in actual Greece, because modern Greek is different than the dorky languages I took. Oh, well. But it goes back to Latin. And, and the Latin word... Paseo, which actually stands means suffering. So when you hear the phrase Passion Week, it actually means suffering week. The week of Christ's suffering. And so today, we're going to take a quick little walk through this week. We're going to start with today. We're going to start with Sunday. Now, Sunday is also very commonly known as Palm Sunday in case you were wondering why all the palm leaves in the aisles. The kids have palm leaves downstairs as well. And, and you'll find out, if you, if you don't know this story and this is just looking weird to you, you'll find out in just a moment. See, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so Palm Sunday, it's, it's the day where Jesus entered into Jerusalem. 
He first entered in Jerusalem, and he entered into fanfare. It was a party celebration like, like the Cubs winning the World Series, just in a little smaller scale. Um, and so that's, that's what was going on here. And so it might have looked like this. This, this is a pretty decent representation. There's this parade with, that's Jesus up, up on a donkey. Or it might have looked like this. If you live in a cartoon world, then there's, or if you live back in the 80s in Sunday school, it might have looked like this. So, yeah, so any one of these could have been what Palm Sunday looked like. And, and this, is, this is where Scripture talks about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. So we're going to read it, but I, I need your help. So if you're on any of the aisles, reach down and grab a palm leaf or so. Okay, and then just, just pass them out, throw them to someone, don't poke them in the eye. Yeah, grab a palm leaf, give it to somebody. And, and part of this, we're even going to read all together. I'm going to read part of it, but the second slide, we're all going to read. And I'll cue you, don't worry. Okay. Okay, now, everyone, put your palms in the air like you just don't care. <laughs> See what I did there? I have been waiting two weeks to make that joke. <laughs> Here we go. Many people spread their cloaks out on the road. Do not take off your clothes, okay? That's where I draw the line. <laughs> Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted. Okay, here's what everyone, we're all going to read. Ready? Ready to shout? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Woohoo! Okay, you can, you can put your palms down. Okay, now, anyone, anyone wonder why they're shouting out Hosanna? That, I don't, that's not a word most of us use in our common language here. But so the, this word Hosanna is a Hebrew word. It literally means save. But what's cool is that word had, had kind of uh, derivated into just, it's a, it's a statement of, of praise and adoration. We might be like, woohoo! That might be a good, it doesn't mean anything, but what's amazing, it's just shouting that we're excited. Woo! Okay? But what's cool is the word Hosanna actually means save. And they were shouting out, the crowds were shouting out to Jesus as their saver or savior. But their idea of savior is very different than what we commonly think and what Jesus had in mind. Because you see, the worst week in Jesus' life began with a parade. It began with a celebration. See, the people wanted a hero. They wanted a Messiah, promised of the Old Testament, from the line, from the clan of David. That's why we saw that kingdom of David phrase. They wanted a savior to free them from the Roman oppression. But Jesus had something very, very different in mind. So each one of the days, I'm going to ask you a question to sit with. So for Sunday, in what ways do you approach Jesus with your own agenda? What do you, when do you approach Jesus with your own goals? With your own desires? 
when do you approach Jesus with your own agenda? Let's talk about Monday. Monday. This is sometimes called Holy Monday. And on Monday, Jesus entered the temple of Jerusalem, and he saw something really troubling. But here it is. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Here's Jesus, meek, mild, nice, loving Jesus, tearing up the place. Because it troubled him what he saw. Now, let me, let me explain a little bit. People travel from long distances into Jerusalem to give money, just like churches, you, we take an offering. They would bring money to the temple, and they would also offer sacrifices. Now, some people brought their animals, but some people just traveled to Jerusalem and then would buy animals there. Now, and so as a result, just like any good capitalist venture, they started selling animals right there at the temple. And they also started exchanging money because you had to have the right currency to be able to give to the temple or at the temple. And so they had to exchange currencies. But here's the interesting thing about it. Jesus calls them a den of thieves, which meant these people were thieving. They were robbing the people who are coming. And if you want the best example of this, just go to J4 and buy a Namban. <laughs> You'll spend like 10 bucks for a Namban. <laughs> it's extortion. Five bucks for a bottle of water. But that's what it was like. And here's the most interesting part though, is these sellers and these money changers, they were actually most capitalizing on the poor. Remember the mention of doves? You even see the picture that Jesus releasing the doves? See, the doves were one of four animals described in the Old Testament that were okay sacrifices. But the doves and then one other um, uh, sacrifice after that were reserved for poorer people. People who couldn't afford goats and bulls because doves were small and inexpensive. So these people weren't just taking advantage of everybody. They were taking advantage of the poor. They were using these money changers and these animal sellers, were using their position and their power to abuse the poor in God's temple. That made Jesus furious. Because fundamentally, it kept people away from worshiping God. And then doubly so, it abused and extorted money from the most vulnerable there. And Jesus was furious. So let me ask you, who is it in your life that you're taking advantage of? Who is it? Is it your parents? Your husband? Your wife? Some friends? your boss? Who is it that you're taking advantage of because of your place, your position, your ability, your intellect, whatever it is? 
Who is it that you're taking advantage of? And where in your life would Jesus come in and knock over some tables? Let's talk about Tuesday. Tuesday. Now, this one's also called Holy Tuesday. It doesn't get a, a fun name like some of the other days. Um, but here's the interesting thing about Tuesday is Jesus taught a lot on this day. He taught his disciples. He taught the crowds. He confronted the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. In fact, the book of Matthew has four chapters of Jesus' teaching. And a bunch of really well-known verses, a bunch of famous verses came out of this day. Things like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to, God's what is, give to God what is God's. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And those are just three of them. I, I counted at least, there were at least six famous verses that came out of this day. This was a day of teaching. It was pretty much Jesus' last chance to publicly teach what living in the kingdom of God was like, what it was like to live as a follower of God. So Jesus taught a whole lot, and he redefined what following God was all about. So let me ask you this. How committed are you to Jesus' teaching? Really? Is, is Sunday the only time you hear anything about Jesus? How committed are you to hearing, reading Jesus' teachings? How committed are you to obeying them? It's not good, just good enough that we hear and we read. Jesus Christ calls us to obedience. That's what Tuesday is all about. Let's talk about Wednesday. Now, Wednesday is interesting. Wednesday is, is often called Silent Wednesday because we don't know what Jesus did. The scripture doesn't record it. Maybe, maybe he was resting from two really tiring days. Maybe he was resting up because he alone knew what the next few days were going to be about. But one thing that did likely happen on Wednesday was Judas. Here's a name that has gone down in history as a betrayer. He sold out Jesus. He sold out Jesus for a bag of silver. He's the one who gave away Jesus' position, actually led the guard to Jesus. And it most likely, he most likely brokered the deal with the Pharisees on Wednesday. Might have happened Thursday, but I'm going to go with Wednesday. So, the, so Wednesday is often also called Spy Wednesday. Because I guess Betrayer Wednesday sounded too cruel. So we'll go with Spy Wednesday. So, so think about it. So this is the day that Jesus, that Judas sold out Jesus for a bag of silver. And it makes us wonder, what's your price for selling out Jesus? Come on, if we're honest enough, we all have a price. 
We all have a price for selling out Jesus. Maybe it's a hobby, a habit, an addiction. Maybe it's your reputation among your friends or your family. And for that, you'll compromise. Maybe it's just going out for a crazy, fun, wild night of drinking. And maybe that's your price for selling out Jesus. Maybe it's just to live a comfortable, easy, lazy life. That's your price for selling out Jesus. We all have a price. Judas has just happened to be a bag of silver. Let's talk Thursday. Now, Thursday, this is when it all starts to go down. On this day, we have the Last Supper. We have Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, agonizing in prayer over what's about to happen. We have his arrest and the first of his trials before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders. And all of that, there's so much that happened on Thursday, but what's interesting is there's one event that has stood out throughout church history. One event that has marked this day more than any of those is because Jesus did something so unexpected, so countercultural, so ridiculous, that even today, we have a hard time following it. He washed his disciples' feet. Now, in case you've ever heard of the phrase, Maundy Thursday, that's what, the, that's what Thursday is called, Maundy Thursday. Now, I had no idea, honestly, I had no idea what Maundy meant prior to prepping for this series. So I had to look this one up. So this one actually comes out of, it's the Latin word, mandatum, for command. And it comes out of this verse. A new command I give you, that you love one another. So you want to know what to call Thursday? The command of love Thursday. That's what Maundy Thursday means. The command of love. And see, and that's what Jesus was showing when he washed his disciples' feet. Scripture even says that he showed the full extent of his love by putting on an apron, getting a bowl of water, and washing his disciples' feet. Now remember, they wore sandals and walked through dirt all the time. This is not like washing your hands. This is more like washing your car after you're going four by four driving through a giant puddle. Right? See, in the church, we, we tend to romanticize foot washing. Sometimes maybe you've seen it in a service or maybe at a wedding. But the truth is, foot washing was one of the dirtiest, most menial tasks that a, a household servant does. It is not something spiritual and beautiful. It's ugly, dirty, and degrading. The closest equivalent we can have here of how people might have responded is when I take out the trash at a funeral, 
People just freak out at that. No, 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 so, 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 no, 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 you go sit down. I'll, go, I'll take it. Dude, I'm just taking out the trash. But they freak out because pastors shouldn't take out the trash. You want to do a, so, a, a socially comparable thing of washing someone's feet back then? Go take out their trash. Go clean out their trash can because you know those things, especially those things get really nasty. Go stick your head down into the trash can to get to the very bottom. Go out into our dumpster. I don't even want to go near that thing. <laughs> That's foot washing. And then after that, Jesus turned around and said these words. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You want to know how to be blessed? Do them. That's where blessing comes from. It's not this romantic, self, sort of, almost self-glorifying act. No. It is a miserable degrading, dirty act. Christians, we should be the ones to do the worst. The ugliest, the dirtiest, the, the, the shifts that nobody wants to take, we should take. The tasks nobody wants to take, we should take. The dirtiest, smelliest, slimiest, lowest things you can find. That's what Christians should be about. You see, after 2,000 years, we tend to like the idea of being a servant. That's a nice idea in theory. We like it a little less when we actually have to start doing the things of a servant. And we like it a whole lot less when we start being treated like a servant. When we are the ones who are degraded and insulted when we are the ones who are looked down on, all of a sudden the idea of being a servant isn't too wonderful. And that's what Jesus is calling us. That's what Maundy Thursday is all about. That's what the command of love Thursday was all about. So how much of a servant are you, really? How much do you sacrifice your own way, your own will, your own desires for those of others? How quick are you to do the dirty, ugly, nasty stuff? That's Monday, Thursday. Let's talk Friday. Now, Friday, it started in the morning. This is the day when Jesus was tried before Pontius Pilate, the Roman ruler of the area, he was beaten, he was crucified, and he was buried in a tomb. 
This is the day of Christ's greatest suffering. This is the passion day. The true passio suffering day. And this day represented the second greatest event in human history. It's the day that Jesus Christ died for your sins. That was Friday. It's often called Good Friday. In fact, it is such a meaningful day, we're going to have a special service here at church. This coming Friday, we're going to have a Good Friday service from 7 to 9. And it, it, it's a great service. We've done this for the last few years. It's it's a little darker, it's a little more somber, it's reflective, it's a little quieter, but it's a day for us to remember the suffering of Christ as we prepare our hearts and our minds for Easter Sunday. So please, come join us this Friday, 7 o'clock, right here. Join us for our Good Friday service. Saturday. Now, Saturday is a day of nothing. Scripture doesn't record what happened Saturday. In church history, it's been called the Great Sabbath because on this day, Jesus Christ rested. He was dead. We don't know what the disciples did. We assume that Jesus was still dead. The disciples were still scared and still hiding. And Saturday was a day of just silence. So the great Sabbath. So I ask you, how are you with rest? How are you with silence. Do you give yourself time to stop and rest? Rest from your labors to make this day a day of rest with God? So that's Saturday. And now, Sunday morning. We call it Easter. But for the church, for the longest time, the church called it Resurrection Day or Resurrection Sunday. And it is the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. They found an empty tomb, and no one knew what to make of it. It took a little while for the disciples, for Jesus to return and talk to the disciples, to, to explain, the angels had to explain to the women what was going on. But this single day was the greatest day in human history. And next week on Easter, we're going to talk about this because that day, Easter Sunday, changed everything. Every event that happened prior to that was leading up to that moment. And every event that has happened since including everything in your own life, is changed as a result of that one day. Easter Sunday.
It changed everything. So come back. Come back next week to, to learn, to figure out what does it mean that Jesus Christ's resurrection changed everything in your life? It's not just he changed things. No. He changed everything in your life and your eternity. Come back next week, because it's going to be a great Sunday. As we celebrate Easter, as we remember what Jesus did, as we have a whole lot of fun with the kids, and our Easter egg hunt after service. So join, back to this, join us back Sunday to discover why Easter changed everything. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you for the story of this week, for the moments that are full, for the moments that are still, for the days and the times we don't know what happened. God, but we thank you for the Bible and the record of this week that you have given to us. God, I pray for all of us that this year, Easter makes a difference. This year, Lord, make Easter a spiritually significant time in all of our lives. A time where we understand fuller. Where we feel deeper. Where we sit in awe greater. God, thank you that you love us love us so much that you sent your son to die for us, not for anything that we do, but because we are yours. We are your creation. We are your beloved. We affirm that in us, and we affirm Christ in you and what you did. So prepare all of our hearts for this week. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who died and the one who was raised back to life.